Thanks for tuning into the Canadian Beef Podcast, where our goal is to promote health and wellness in the bodybuilding community while having fun doing it and getting you huge. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel. Thank you guys so much for watching. On to the video. Okay, so what's going on? Anyways, um, yeah, so what's up? Happy New Year. <laughs> yeah, like that intro. Year. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> Solid. That captivated our, our viewers. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's just, we might as well just segue right into an advertisement. Check out this cream of rice, guys. You want to get some of that cream of rice? Look at this texture. Yeah, you're going to use code strand and you're going to save yourself money on goldengrainsfoods.com. Golden grains fire. I'm yeah. out of it. I ran out. I, I, this is literally my last bag right now. Oh, there goes this fucking crazy mic again. Again. It was just doing that. Yeah, your mic's gone again, bro. Your mic's doing weird shit again, Robin. <laughs> Noah. <laughs> <laughs> time. Gonna have to cut this out. Talking about re reoccurring segments. You know, orange juice. I don't. I don't think we will like ever have a podcast without somebody having technical. Either Robin or I having technical difficulties. Yeah, because those, those expensive, nice microphones. We just. Use uh, the I know, it, 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 what are you? What are you using, Jason? An, an iPhone or just use this? Uh, my laptop. Your laptop. Yeah. Your laptop. Yeah. 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 Here we are trying to get fancy, Robin, and we're fucking it all up. Well, I was going to say, because last time I'm like, Paul, can you speak louder? Can you speak louder? Last time you're like blasting at ears. I didn't want to be like, Paul, can you turn your microphone down now? Like, it's like, oh my God. Is it okay right now? Are you doing mic It's fine now. Everything, I think everybody's good right now. I just unplugged my microphone. So the viewers are probably like, you guys should probably do this before the podcast. Except Paul's late and he's, no, it's okay. I was late last time. So it's even. Anyways, yeah, I, was, I was like, guilty. Guilty. I was up Let's move on. So it's January 2nd, 3rd. Yeah. And is it the 2nd or 3rd? It's the 2nd. 2nd. Okay. So, so New Year's is over. Got their goal, goal set for the year? Yeah, for sure. We were just talking about that, right? So the goal is to get in on those NFTs. <laughs> yeah. Get in on the NFTs early in three or four years, it'll be worth millions. Yeah. Yeah. It, so from what I've gathered, it's, it's a little bit more difficult than just getting in on it because you need about 20 grand to do it. <laughs> But you just cre create your own NFTs that, you know, yeah. they'll, they'll, most of them look like trash anyways. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that much about it yet, so I can't say. It's just much. like one of those things, like I've been investing in crypto for the last couple of years, but it's, it's more of just a thing where it's like, if I have extra money kicking around, like I know I don't need for anything. Like I'll just like throw like 500 bucks or throw a thousand bucks at like Ethereum. That's what, that's usually what I buy, mm -hmm. especially when the market's down. Like anytime I see a dip in the market, if it lines up at the same time, I have extra money. I just buy crypto. So like, that's kind of my goal with NFTs too. First of all, I need to learn more about them. But second of all, like just slowly like start investing and like collecting and things like that. Right. Yeah. Because as they become more applicable, like as time goes on, uh, same thing with crypto, like as like crypto applications become more like actually like usable and, and applicable, then uh, they're gonna be worth more and more. Right. So mm -hmm. they're going to go up just like the stock market does on like a pretty steady basis. I think. You think cryptocurrency will continue uh, to grow you know, in the next 23 years? Do you think it's the next? 
Oh, yeah, yeah, dude, absolutely. It's like the new internet, right? Well, it's the dot com. But that's the funny thing. That's why I was asking because, like, none of you guys were around for the dot com, but I was. And, you know, uh, initially people were making a shit ton of money because it was new, it was fresh. Um, obviously, there's only so many domains you can get, but people were like harvesting the domains and, and investing in domains. But it's crazy because people made a shit ton of money. Um, but it all ended in like, you know, there was a huge crash. That's the funny thing. The market was huge. And then I think about five years later, it was silent and everybody lost, you know, if they didn't buy anything, they lost everything. But that, just, that just happened with Bitcoin, right? Yeah. Then yeah. with Bitcoin, okay, yeah. So it's there's yeah, gonna be just happened with Bitcoin like probably six or seven months ago, right? And now like they they kind of I mean it was known that the market was gonna drop around Christmas like around New Year's time, and like there's essentially like crypto like there's bull runs like is what they call them like every now every so often, right? Mm-hmm. So and that's like what you'll see probably now like going into the spring and summer like like Ethereum, Bitcoin, and obviously the smaller coins will follow. They'll just be worth more and more. Different currency. Right? Yeah, and especially with like like crypto awareness as well, right? Like people are starting to understand that like this is kind of the time to start buying in. You know what I mean? What about like, if you so want to make money over the long term? So what about for Canadians? Because from what I've gathered, it's a little bit harder to get in because we can't use certain apps or something. Or is that true? Uh no, you can use as long as you can use like I mean Coinbase is probably the easiest one to use, and like you're gonna be able to buy like your most basic forms of cryptocurrency on that. But they're they're adding more and more to it all the time. But then I mean, like if, if you use Binance and like if you know how to use like MetaMask and, and platforms like that, that like exchange different cryptocurrencies, like that stuff's pretty advanced. Like I'm just kind of dipping my toes in that. Like I, I have a friend that's local that helps me. Like yeah. he, he has like millions of dollars in crypto. He really knows what he's doing. So yeah, he helps me along with that. Get him so, on the podcast. Being being Canadian, yeah, we could get him on easily. But uh, yeah. being um, being Canadian, I don't think it should limit you at all. Okay, I I only just because Chris Bum said was talking about how he had to apply for a U.S. citizenship in order to get involved with NFTs, so he's at a disadvantage because he's Canadian. But I don't. But like I said, I don't know about it, so I I don't know if that's true or not. But well, man, now that you say it, like you know, until I talked to Antoine, uh, I haven't I haven't heard of many Canadians uh, that yeah. like are really into the NFTs. Yeah. Like well, so I mean, that could definitely have as far as NFTs go, that could have uh, like what you're saying could be true. But as far as like investing in crypto, I don't think it has anything to do with it. Yeah, yeah. So the probably the best thing you could do is just start off by getting a Coinbase, putting a little bit into a couple different coins and then kind of just learning about it. like you got to actually like because i've been listening to these podcasts and i get what they're saying now but i haven't done anything yet so i don't exactly know what to do yet you know what i mean like, like the safest thing you can do is put money in ethereum and bitcoin like because yeah, yeah. like those are going to be your long-term investments that are going to like i mean there, there's they're going to be like the two coins that are going to have the most applications in the future right yeah so I mean, you can't go wrong with investing your money there. You're going to see like probably like, you know, a two times or a three times on your investments like every year, probably. But like where people make big money is like where you really got to know what you're doing. That's where crypto can become a full-time job. And that's like trading, right? Yeah. It's like, like you're like, it's almost like trading stocks. You know what I mean? Like you're exchanging yeah. coins for different coins at the right time. Like, like to see like when certain coins like go 10 times, 50 times or like a hundred times like that. You guys heard about Dogecoin like last year? Mm, yeah like some, some people were, were made millions millionaires overnight on that coin right that's when it comes down to like you know just being lucky i guess because if you're yes. if you're picking if you're picking um things that have a lower chance and you could have a bigger payout but then also obviously there's more of a risk 
It's always risk and reward, right? Yeah, you're gambling. Of course. I mean, there's always a risk with these things. And I I think um, NFTs are probably a good way to go now and, you know, towards the near future as well. So NFTs are going to be are going to be so applicable in the sense of like, like copywriting things and trademarking things and like people not being able to copy like, like certain like certain things, right? Like because NFTs kind of give us the ability to like, everything has its own specific like address and like, like invoice number in a sense. You know what I mean? So like, especially when it comes to like art, like art's probably going to be like the first like, like application NFTs. And like that's what we're seeing with like what, what the NFTs actually are, right? Yeah. People come out with collections and, and, and things like that. So I don't know. And they're good. They're good too, because they're all um, like all the transactions are publicly uh, like open to the public. Like anybody can access them. So it's not like, you know, like in a bank, you know, all that information is, is basically secret, you know, like we can't access anybody's transactions or anything like that. But when you're using NFTs, you actually can. So you can you can keep that uh, open database for kind of everybody, which is pretty cool. And it's tax free as well. And um, the biggest thing I think that is going to carry it forward is it's the uh, the the oppressed are going to lean more and more towards this because they feel like it's a big F you to the government. And then this way, it's like people can kind of take things back into their own hands again, or it's yeah. like, you know, this That's is something that they say. don't have control over. So that's yeah. why it's going to grow so fast because people are going to That's what I was just going to say. Yeah, exactly. Normal currency is like the government's money. Like they control it. They, they control how much money they print. They control the worth of the dollar. Right. All of these things, right? Whereas like they can't control that in crypto. Yeah, like if our if our Canadian dollar tanks down to 60, you know, compared to American dollar, we don't know why. There's nothing we can do about it. It's just now we have basically less value for no reason. Yeah, which is not the case with cryptocurrency. So, yeah, but and the other thing is you have to think about the application of cryptocurrency because the world's changing, right? I mean, products are changing, goods, materials. Like Mo was saying, we're we're now investing in like patents, copyrights, things like that, which is totally different than what we've done in the past. And um, the metaverse <laughs> that's going to be like that, that's going to be crypto and like NFT central. Like the the like when the metaverse is like a real thing, which is I mean, you're probably looking at like five or ten years, but I mean, uh, that's why it's so good to get in on crypto and NFTs now, right? Because you can kind of think about like loading up your wallet before like the metaverse becomes like more applicable on like corporations and companies are using it like for, for different things. Like, you know, so yeah. it's common, man. No doubt about it. Yeah. It's hard to wrap your head around the fact that the metaverse is going to be like a whole new world that everybody is going to kind of enter in. And it's like, we already have a pretty intense social media network. So this is just going to take it like, beyond you know what our capacities are for networking now it's going to like just expand it beyond belief well people are afraid of change right so like that's why people i think right now are so hesitant with the crypto and nft things and people will that's what people say all the time like oh like do you really think that's gonna like last much longer and it's like that's the same thing people said about the internet when it first came out right that's what i was asking right yeah right like you think that this is sustainable for and, and, and really, what, what are the odds of that being the case? But I think you're right. I mean, it's not the same thing as like the dot-com boom. I think there's there's way more weight to be held in this because it's a new form of exchange, right? Well, yeah. Well, it's, exactly. it's way different. Because- Nothing's going to happen with our currencies, like our, our, our current uh, economic structure and inflation uh, 
it's just not gonna it's it's not gonna be sustainable for anyone anyone i don't think it will happen in our lifetime but i think cryptocurrency will eventually take over like currency in general because i mean our governments are like literally making like our form of currency like like more and more less valuable and like i think it, i think it will i think it will happen in our lifetime so we're, we're moving years. towards a, a digital artificially intelligent control world like it's mm, it's yeah. like happening it's not going to be like one day we're all going to wake up and the world's going to be completely different it's going to happen organically just like the internet like organically kind of took over the world right i was uh i was watching a long time ago there was an interesting documentary release called the transcendent man um or it could have been i think it's based on the book the singularity is near it's um ray Kurzweil who predicted he's an older guy he works for google he works on their ai system right now but Kurzweil invented a whole bunch of things when he was younger. He's an older guy now, but he's predicted, like he predicted technology would move exponentially, right? Like it's like, like it has. He predicted the internet, he predicted everything before its time. So he predicted that AI would, would fully take over by 2024, 2025, I think. Yeah, and he calls that the singularity. That's a metaverse. Yeah, I mean, essentially that's where we're going. And I think that's what's, you know, with the fact that we have this pandemic, I think it's the government's issuing it, uh, ushering in, not issuing, ushering in like the new era in their own way they can control it because the governments are panicking. I mean, the way I see it, the, 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 all the governments are, are, are trying to figure this out. Like, okay, things are changing. Like, how are we going to address this? I'm not saying the pandemic is. Well, did you, know, you notice that there was like a period of time last year where they were trying to get rid of cash? Like, it, like they had signs like at, liquor stores and certain places. I don't know if they were doing that in the States, yeah. uh, Jason, but definitely in Canada at the LCBOs, which is the liquor board uh, of Ontario, they would have signs and it would say no cash debit or credit only. And it's like, what are you talking about? Like, well, because they couldn't enforce it because you could go in there and say, you have to take my money. <laughs> and then yeah. the, the people working there would be like, okay, <laughs> <You know? laughs> so they, they stopped that. Right. They're like, okay, I guess no one's going to follow that. But obviously they, they push the things that people listen to harder, like the mask thing. If everyone just was like, no, we're not wearing them. It would be like the cash thing. Then they're just like, okay, well, we, you know, well, someone's got to make money thing too. Right. Because like, I mean, I mean, when you think about the metaverse, like that's going to allow us to like, basically like tap into like an, another universe, like from a digital aspect and like have your own avatar and like basically do whatever you want to do. Cause like, and like virtual reality is like kind of coming like coincidentally along with that. Right. So it's that's going to be interesting. To see, me, right? It's going to be interesting to see how they try to like, police this metaverse you know because oh, there's gonna be half there's gonna have to be some type of regulation but how are <laughs> they gonna do that i have no idea we, we talked about that when the and it's funny we're going full circle back to when you, you guys when i was your age well maybe a little bit younger when i was 16 that was the conversation right how are we going to police the internet well the internet shouldn't be police because it's an open forum so you know libertarians are, are probably happy but when you think about it, it's like really this this metaverse is gonna play into like a collectivist thing. Most saying no. No, I'm talking to my girlfriend. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I don't I don't know. It's just it's a weird conversation to be having because like, yeah, there are like gonna be these ethical dilemmas. There's gonna be these like um also, you know, who who's gonna who's gonna actually profit from these things at the end of the day? 
Well, look what they did with the internet. Like they gave us the internet and like they gave us like a bunch of tools to use with the internet, like Facebook and Instagram and things like that. But now look at Instagram, for example. Like if you speak up and give your opinion on the pandemic and vaccines, for example, like they will like uh, shadow ban your account. Yeah, yeah. So then if you're using Instagram as like a tool to promote yourself or your business or something like that, like that's how they control you, right? So they're like, okay, like here's the internet, like here's the freedom. But if you speak out against what we're trying to do and the movements that we're trying to make, then we're just going to make the internet essentially useless to you. Well, right. It started out, it started out a very open concept and then it went further and further controlled. And now we're at full, we're the developers. And this is the scary part. The developers will go, not maybe not the developers, but the, the big tech We'll go in cahoots with you know the other people with money or the governments and they'll they'll regulate things they'll regulate slowly so we're going to get this regulation of the internet and probably going to get this regulation of the metaverse somehow oh, yeah. people are going to be able to to to, to control it right and it will be the people with money and who will be the people with money i mean it's, well, it's going to be facebook i mean facebook already owns instagram and now they own the metaverse as well right yeah scary shit. Well, well, I mean, it's not exist anymore. Metaverse <laughs> is Facebook. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Renamed it, or it's the new. Things are moving fast. What do you think, Jason? You just we broke Jason. He's like, he's like, fuck this. I, I think I just woke up, and this is deep. Jason, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not ready. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't ready for this. <laughs> this is not a bodybuilding podcast at this point, really. Yeah. No, honestly, I just haven't done a ton of like research on all that stuff, and like given it too much thought yet so i don't have a ton to contribute to this conversation yeah. bro just just throw some money at bitcoin and ethereum yeah yeah that's safe you're not gonna no, learn something yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> we got on we got onto this because paul asked about our resolutions or goals right my other, my other resolution is to um like i was telling robin yesterday to have two very successful off-season phases yeah so we so we were talking about how you can actually quantify that you know how, yeah. how do you know that your your off-season cycle was successful so whether that's like a certain amount of lean mass gained how are you going to figure that out maybe getting like a dexa scan at the beginning of your cycle and after or even just using like a bio bioelectrical impedance measure or you can you know you can do skin folds or you can just do measurements like you know you can check your waist and your legs and your arms and that kind of stuff but there's got to be a way right and, and also yeah. with with your weight and in the mirror and pictures of course Right. But that way you can say, okay, like this, this first cycle, say we gained five pounds of lean muscle. Okay. Well, can we do six or seven on the next one? You know, and it'd be cool to also see like, you know, it's like, well, after these two cycles, I put on 15 pounds of lean muscle. I feel pretty good going into this pro show now, you know? Yeah. I think for me, it's just, I'll probably just use weight and pictures. So I find that to be like, you know, the best, like if I have pictures to compare and I'm like, okay, I was this body weight. I look this way. And now I'm this body weight. I look this way. Like, I feel like that's like, you know, probably the best way to do it. Of course, like all those other things would be like nice to use. Those other tools would be good to utilize. But I mean, I, I'm honest with myself and like how consistent I can be with, with those types of measurements and stuff like that. Like, I just won't do it. You know, but the yeah. problem with measurements is like, they're good as a baseline. Like if you take a baseline and they're good sure. a year later, but the thing is, you know, you can have wonky. Um, here's a good example. Like when we look at like measuring body fat and I hate these measures because I brought an uh, RMT. Uh, he does fascial release stuff, but anyways, 
Um, he also, he's been a PT and stuff for years. So he uses the calipers very, he's probably been using calipers for 20, 30 years. You know what I mean? So he should know how to calculate. Um, and I went, Robin, before I saw you probably before King Kong. And I don't know if you can remember, I was holding a lot of water uh, at one point. <clears throat> so when he measured me, when I was holding all the water, I mean, I came out at like seven or 8% body fat. And it certainly wasn't 8% body fat because within like the week and the week after when I did nationals, you couldn't, like he was pinching skin on my back that wasn't there when I dried out, you know? And it's not like I magically lost, you know, three or 4% body fat. It's just that we hold water in different places. So even calipers can be inconsistent from like week to week, day to day. Oh, 100%. Well, that's the one thing that you learn when you like, go to school for kinesiology yeah. you learn how to do the skin fold tests and you learn the jackson and pollock which is one of the um calculations the, the formulas right so this formula is usually in in my opinion this the formula is where things go wrong because up until that point all you have is how many millimeters of skin you have folded and then you put that into a formula and then you get an arbitrary number based on what you decide your like body type is right so you have different calculations based on like whether you think you're an athletic build or whether you think like you're an average build and that's completely bullshit right because it doesn't really make a lot of sense even you, yeah. it's even different for african-americans and white people okay so that just goes to show you how outdated this formula is so the best thing you can do just to keep it super simple is just pick three sites where you hold body fat the most so that's you know for probably for guys it's going to be like right on that like above the hip towards the back where the kidneys are it's probably going to be like on the chest and then like maybe like on the just on the stomach right and then just taking those three spots you can let's say you're at three millimeters of fat on your chest and you go up to five you know you've put on a little bit of body fat during that cycle but or uh, you know if you don't put on any then you know you just fucking got lean tissue right so it's just it's a super easy way to not like use formulas literally just check the millimeter folds and it, yeah, I don't want to explain too much about that because I'm sure you guys can Google it if you really want to do that. But I think it's a good idea anyways. I find it, the hardest thing I find about the offseason, like it's hard to set like goals. Like I find like for the level that we're at, you know what I mean? Because like I've been doing this for a while now, like I've done so many cycles, but also the fact that like our bodies change like every year, right? Like it's hard to be like, okay, this worked last time yeah. so and it will work this time and I'll get the same result. Like, you know, because like my body requires like different food amounts now. Like, you know, like so many things have changed, right? The way I train has changed. So it's kind of like, I don't know, I guess for me, it's like, I just kind of like check all the boxes every day. You know what I mean? Like do what I'm supposed to do, like get my food in, train hard, of course, you know, optimize rest and recovery. And like, you know, I, I think I would probably gauge a successful off season off like that. Like if I did everything I was supposed to do throughout the entire, you know, week one to week 16 or whatever, and then, uh, you know, did I come out healthy? Like, do I have any injuries? Like, you know, obviously did my, did my lean body mass go up? Like at least somewhat, like I, I, I'd be, I'm. Yeah. Like if you can gain five right. lean tissue in 16 weeks, like that, that would be amazing. Right. It's really hard after a long time of training to put on lean, lean tissue. Well, I know it's been getting harder for me over here. Well, if you're putting on three pounds of lean tissue every four months, that's pretty, that's a pretty fast gain. Yeah, I, I don't think any any pro is the whole year of prep. And like I'm like I all the gains I've made since the prep have been like pretty lean. Like I'm still pretty low body fat. So I think like 
for example, this first off-season cycle, I could probably gain maybe five pounds, right, of lean tissue. And then on my, my cycle that I'm going to do after that one, my second off-season cycle, I might only gain like one, might only gain like one to three. Take off yeah. that body fat and water, anyways. That's why I like DEXA scans. DEXA scan will tell you lean body mass. It'll tell you your skeletal weight. It'll tell you your water. It'll tell you like pretty much everything, so you can like yeah. differentiate between like what that mass that you're gaining actually is. Do you have to go to hospital in Ontario for that? Um, no, but you do. I'm pretty sure in Canada you do need to have a doctor referral to go. But you can go. Um, they're kind of hard to find, but like uh, Humber College has it here um you can go like some hospitals have it. it just once you locate it and you can you can just get a doctor to vouch for you then you can usually set it up and it, it does cost money though that's like it's like 150 bucks i think we only have one here in a hospital yeah, yeah. we have um yeah we have a couple dexas at the universities yeah we have one at uh, carlton and Ottawa U, I think um and they're not that expensive i looked into it um one year because i was like i really wanted to see what my actual body fat reading would come out as a DEXA because it's, you know, when, when you're lean, you kind of want to see what that true lean mm. uh, equates to. And the DEXA is supposed to be the best test, right, for that. It is. Um, but, you know, what's funny is you're, you're, you're going to get inconsistent reads from the DEXA too. And, and certain people have like these outrageous body fat like numbers, like three or four percent. Um, and some people come out eight and they look like they are three or 4%. So visually, I mean, as a bodybuilder, I wonder how much these numbers really matter. Like I said, other than being a baseline from the year before, like to compare it to, like maybe my 3% really is 7%, 6%. Who's well, muscle, the muscle mass is going to, uh, I mean, obviously depend heavily on that, right? Like, yeah, yeah, right. And, yeah, and, that's on maturity, thickness, density. Well, I know I did one of those like two days out from the Arnold Classic uh, one year. I was doing a photo shoot at a gym and they had a DEXA scan set up in the back office of their gym. It was pretty sick. Cool. But um, they were offering free DEXA scans to the competitors competing at the Arnold Classic, the pros. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So I went back there and he said, uh, he had only seen one person come out with a lower number than me. And I was, I was just like, dude, who could it be? I was like, was it like Jose Raymond, you know? And he's like, no, you, Jose was actually like in the sevens or something like that. Mm, wow. So like what you're saying, I'm like, Jose looks freaking like grainy, nutty, peeled, like kids can be. So how much does that number really, if, if his DEXA scan came out in like the over a set over 7%, you know, I think like even if you like whatever you did that morning to, to change like a DEXA scan, right? Because yeah. Like, Dave, like you get up and like you go in there fast and get a DEXA scan. Like, you know what I mean? Like your body fat's going to be at its lowest. Your that DEXA scan also, highest. And your it also measures your visceral fat too, though. Not just yeah. your stuff. Yeah, it delineates all the factors. So I don't yeah. know. So it's so. measuring your fat around your organs and everything too. That doesn't show when you're looking at how peeled you are. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, because I, I just wonder, like, because, like, like, for example, like, if you got up and drank, like, a liter of water and, like, went in and got a DEXA scan done and, like, the other person what? got up and didn't, like, because the volume of water in your body would automatically change, like, your body composition, which would have an impact on your body fat. Like, yeah, you know I mean, yeah, I was two days out and with I was, Dexa, with I the DEXA scan, it should work out. So I don't know how accurate mine was. I think mine came out right under six percent. 
Okay. Anyway, so you with know, the DEXA skin, it, it, there should be no changes in body fat percentage depending on like water because it'll it'll like I said it'll differentiate with total body water versus your total body mass and your actual muscle mass and your fat mass and your bone mass and all that. But mm -hmm. if it's any other type of skin, then it would it wouldn't be able to differentiate. Right, right, right. That's supposed to be the one that delineates all the factors and it's right. like your but, true. But yeah, like like you guys were saying, the the one main difference is um, that the DEXA will will take all of your fat, and if you have visceral fat, even if you have fat stored within your muscles, everybody stores it in a different way, right? So let's say Jose Raymond, maybe he just he gets rid of all of his subcutaneous body fat, and he still has some within his muscle, somehow with around his organs. Yeah. DEXA skin will say, okay, this guy's seven percent body fat, even though he looks like he's inside out peeled. He right. could probably keep dieting actually to get rid of that visceral fat. I, I I I want to deep. I don't want to deviate, but that's the crazy because people were talking about how bodybuilders could potentially be unha unhealthy because they're storing that fat and they never really get rid of it in, or in their well, organs and muscles. But you, well, you know how that that happens is because it's um it's insulin resistance. That is it. Okay. So and and lots of bodybuilders are insulin resistant. diabetic and insulin resistant because they don't understand how to check blood sugar they don't understand how to use insulin properly and these kind of things so that that can really lead to visceral fat and that, you gotta do that's, you gotta do walks in between meals yeah but that that's, can make it look a lot larger well, i was gonna say also a one way that you can help get rid of the visceral fat and around the organs and stuff like that is more high intensity cardio sprints and stuff like that which we don't do much of true true you know yeah you know, yeah, I, like, I like the high intensity, but yeah, most, most coaches, like I don't actually, I've never had a coach. I've only had one coach that ever let me do high intensity. Let's go for question. made me do sprints yeah. for like, uh, interval sprints and for an hour, uh, Jesus. <laughs> fasted for, uh, I think we were prepping for the uh, classic physique Olympia. I can't do anything besides walk now for cardio. Dude, it was, really? well, I would, so I would do the sprints on a elliptical. And then walk on the uh, treadmill for like the intervals. So it was like you were hopping back like, and forth. Well, yeah, I do because they were right next to <laughs> one minute on the elliptical, all out as hard as I could freaking go, and then walk for like four minutes. I, I have the elliptical one minute all out of you know back and forth. This guy is super setting cardio machines. That must have looked hilarious. <laughs> well, I couldn't sprint, dude. I was like, I was not about to sit there sprinting on the treadmill, you know. Oh, that's so, dangerous, like, man. To save my joints and everything, too. Yeah. I was like doing it on the elliptical sure. and then walk on the track. No, it sounds like something uh, Rob Graham would do. It was brutal. I the, My last day doing it, before he changed my cardio, I had an asthma attack at the end of it. Shit. Jesus. I was so freaking dead. I've done lots of wind gates. I think wind gates are pretty good. Yeah. Do like because if, if you're cycling, it's pretty it's pretty low impact, right? You can pretty much you can pretty much go to failure at the highest resistance possible, and you're you're good to go joint wise. My last my cardio for my prep my last prep was like seventy percent walk my dogs. Yeah, yeah, me too. I find the best cardio is a steady state, lazy ass walking. But if you're walking a lot, I mean that's a lot of cardio. You just got to factor that in. I was doing like ten thousand steps a day, so yeah. It's well, not, I was trying to do sprints and wind gates. Uh, when I was at MI40 and, and Ben's like, stop. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, dude, you're way too fucking big. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's like, he's like, just go sit on that bike for an hour and just pedal at like 40%. And I'm like, oh, wait, Robin, what, what was this the off season you had when you were really heavy too? No, this was like four weeks out, man. <laughs> oh, okay. I was at MI40 and I, I was at that point, I was only doing 30 minutes of cardio a day. And then five, four, sorry, five weeks out, 
I started doing sprints as well. And I would, I would just basically do like all out wind gates, maybe just a couple of them. Like, I don't think I ever, I don't think I've ever done more just than spike eight. Spike your heart rate. Yeah. Just I, so 60 seconds to failure basically, but he had this awesome bike cause it's a, it's an actual wind gate bike. So what, what you do is you're pedaling and there's no resistance, but then there's weights. So you can actually put like plates on the bike. And then when you're ready to go, you drop the weights and then it, it hits the cycle. So you basically you're, you're on no resistance and you're going like as fast as you can. And then you drop the hammer and the weights come on and you're just like, you just power through it for 60 seconds. It's crazy. It's so good, man. I've never heard yeah. of a plate loaded bike before. Yeah. It makes me think of uh, when, when you're like a little kid and you're, you're biking uphill and downhill. I hate biking. I don't know. I'd, I'd hate to cycle for cardio. Oh, it's right here. It's called the Monarch Wingate Testing Bike Ergonometer. Did any, any of you guys live on your bicycle when you were a kid? Oh, yeah. Everyone. Oh, yeah. I think everybody did. Yeah, man. That was a good I lived on a trampoline and on my bicycle. That's you like kids I was outside. Bike. If I was outside, I was jumping on the trampoline or I was on the bicycle. Everywhere this bike. Oh, this is the wind game? That's yeah, interesting. check this out. Um, you guys ever seen this? <laughs> you want to know how to get some big fucking legs? This is actually, the, this video is the reason why I started doing it so much. So he, he basically is like how to toast a slice of bread. Look this guy's fucking legs, though, first of all. Yeah. Holy shit, man. Why do you think I started doing Wingate so much? Look at this fucking guy. He's the, he's the guy that they use for the memes for Don't Skip Upper Body Day. 100%. <laughs> this is basically all. He just sits here, and it's just like, this is the bike, right? So it's it's got some weights on. Actually, this bike's different. To, uh... it's, just, it's just heavy. <laughs> man, but these quads are saucy. Yeah. They're fucking like 36 inches, man. Yeah, it looks like, oh big it's ridiculous. Well, let's see here. It's uh, what do you say? 100. They're 74 centimeters. Yeah, look up how many inches that is. Yeah, probably 40, 42. Dude, 40 inch quads would be fucked. Yeah, that's pretty nuts. They're 29, they're 29 inches. Okay. The guy weighs like 170 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> this, guy's, this guy's legs are small. <laughs> Compared well, to the rest of the body, there. It's probably a small guy, but he looks you ever seen like those middleweights that are really small and but they have like 25 inch quads or 25 inch like legs, and it looks like they're huge. This is the guy. Man, there's some people that should literally give up training legs and just get on a bike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Might be me. If leg training's not working for you, just get on a bike. Maybe maybe I should do some cycling. <laughs> should. Bicycling. Bicycling. I do 20 minutes every morning, man. It's great. Yeah, yeah I keep sitting down and doing cardio. Like, I, hey. like I, get, I, I, can't, I can't, like, get out of bed. I have, like, a recumbent bike. Yeah. And I've tried to use it a couple times. But, like, I just feel so lazy if I get out of bed and go sit down. And do <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, that was so. a weird thing. Yeah, but I mean, like walking at like three kilometers an hour isn't that much different. <laughs> oh no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying from like but, even but like a calorie burn standpoint. It's more of like a mental thing, I guess. Right? It's engaging. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Like if I wake up and I go outside and I take a walk, 
it's more or Mo's got his dogs. It's more engaging than getting on a bike. I, I, I don't get it how people get on bikes in front of TVs or their PlayStation or whatever and just game. I've done that. I've done that. What the fuck is wrong with that? <laughs> I've done that for years, man. Literally, the only the only way I get to the switch on the on the bike, dude. Exactly. The last four weeks of of cardio on prep, I'm basically just playing video games, or or like that. watching fucking or listening to podcasts or watching Ooh, something. Yeah. On YouTube. yeah, maybe some podcasts. Yeah. I, I used to hate the mornings. I couldn't find a good podcast to listen to. Yeah, that's annoying. Oh, I have to like revert back to music, and I just end up turning it off because you're doing. Is- yeah. You're doing so much cardio, you're like, shit, I've watched everything on YouTube. Much as you know, you gotta love our bodybuilding podcasts. Like once in a while, you gotta turn off the bodybuilding podcasts because they're not always you know th- th- that's a problem we, we get with this podcast too. It's like, okay, Robin and I were talking about it. It's like, what can we talk about? It's like, okay, let's not talk about diet because we did that. Let's not talk about training because we've done that. No, but people like that apparently. Everyone's like, oh, we like the diet and the, the training talk. Yeah, people do. I'm not saying no, but I'm just saying like it's because it's so it's so like normal for us. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like, but like for people that are just like from the outside looking in, like still find like our lifestyle so fascinating. I yeah. go through that so much whenever I'm trying to come up with content for my own YouTube channel, and I'm just like, it's so boring. Like I do the same shit over and over, and then like it'll take my wife to explain to me like, yeah, but normal people don't do that. Yeah. Like yeah. it just seems mundane to you because you do it over and over every day like the majority of people don't live like that they, well like, especially you because like normal people do like like maybe like a plate and a half or two plates on a t-bar row and they see you do like eight and they're just like what the fuck <laughs> so then they want to see everything else that you do too <laughs> exactly yeah they, they want to know what you're doing so that they can do it too yeah right yeah like we've we've probably all done that like we were watching like jay cutler's videos right it's like Oh yeah, you know you gotta pause it when he opens his fridge because you gotta know what's what's in that <laughs> fridge. It's like I I can see what's in there, Jay. You didn't hide. That's some normal shit in there too. Exactly. So then you know you get to know the secrets, right? Even me, man. I still love like watching the guys' lifestyle videos and stuff, probably more than anything else. Hundred percent. I loved yeah. uh, the the Nasser videos when he's just like so like uh, like so annoyed that he has to eat the chicken. Like he's just like <laughs> you know. He's just so angry about everything he has to do. He's angry, but he quantifies everything so much too. And I saw this one video where he's in prep. I I don't know which Olympia it was, but he was eating like all the sushi as part of his prep. And he'd go out to sushi restaurants, but he had it all laid out in a book. Someone actually planned it for him. I think his wife or his friend or someone was planning it out for him. At one point, and he was eating all this sushi. He's got everything like like pre-explained, you know. So if someone's like, "Hey, Nasser, like, what are you doing?" He looks, and he gets like, so annoyed. Yeah, he's so annoyed when when somebody asks him, he's like, "Oh, yeah." <laughs> oh. But but man, like, not, nothing nothing was more motivating than watching those DVDs back in the day, like Marcus Rule, just like walking around the grocery store, you know, or like even those fucking Costco run videos. Man, I used to watch like. <laughs> The Costco run videos, and I would literally just go do the same thing right after it. Like, you know, like yeah. Oh, is- man, I got a question for you guys. Like, so like out of all the '90s bodybuilders, who like who are your guys' favorite physiques? I like Nasser. Yeah, I like Nasser. Just want to interrupt the podcast to say thank you to our sponsors, Helix Labs and Gorilla Wear. If you guys are enjoying this podcast, make sure you hit that like button, subscribe to our channel, check us out on Spotify. Most importantly, use our code BEEF20 and 
GorillaWearCanada.com, HelixOnline.com. Thank you guys so much. Back to the episode. I like Nasser. Yeah. I like Nasser a lot. I'm, I'm there with like Nasser and Dorian, like in between yeah. that, just because like they're like that big, like rugged, like just like slabs of muscle on like a big structure, right? Yeah, exactly. Which is my only hope. So that's why why I like Nasser and Dorian. Yeah. Is that what you said? Are you, are you counting Ronnie in there at the end of the 90s? Yeah. Well, I mean, like, like what's your, like, yeah, like in the same with Dorian. <laughs> Dorian. Like early, 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 early Ronnie. From, from 90 to 90. The first couple of years. I, I like the Nasters and the Dorians because I can train like that. I can't train like Ron. Yeah, yeah, that's you true. Know? Who, who can train? Who it's can, a different vibe. Can train like like, Ronnie, who can it's train. a different vibe, right? Like, I, I feel like I can I can vibe with those other guys. Like, I can do those things. But with, with Ronnie's lifestyle, it's like, I can't eat, like, four scoops of fucking protein powder synthesis and, like, not be, like, destroyed. Or, like, I can't <laughs> eat, like, just, like, frozen beef patties, you know? Like. He was an anomaly. Or fires a train like Ronnie Cole. Yeah. Or or a whole uh, jar of a master masterpiece barbecue yeah, sauce. That's what I was about to say. Yeah. Chicken. I mean, who who would even stomach that? Honestly, like, have you ever tried chugging barbecue sauce? That's <laughs> no. essentially what he was doing. He was eating a whole fucking barbecue sauce. That's got to be hard on the stomach. See, I I mean, I I like wearing uh, you know tights and leggings for leg day, but I would never be able to wear see through yellow leggings to the gym. You know, if you were Ronnie Coleman, you totally would. Yeah. If I was Ronnie Coleman, you would. the Ronnie train crazy too, man. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. I'm going to say, like, I like Kevin. I like Kevin. I just, I don't know. I never really understood the whole taking, like, five months off thing. That's why I never really But when I first got into bodybuilding, like, and I, like, saw Kevin LeBroni and stuff like that, like, that was, like before I knew too much about him or anything like that, that physique just like popped to me. Yeah. 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 I loved his uh, 2002 Olympia, Kevin Lebroni, when he was like bald. And he just came out like big as fuck. Massive. That was crazy. I, man, man, I remember um, when they used to have the, when everybody used to dress up and they would have like suits or just have nice dress shirts on and <laughs> Kevin Lebroni would be in his dress shirt and his tricep would be like, <laughs> I don't know, like they had to like fucking like make it like tailor that one part yeah. of the arm just so it could like hang out. It was crazy, man. Like, I'm not gonna lie. I kind of I, I liked him that he was always posing the Creed and like rock and stuff like that. That was yeah, yeah. it was always cool. Yeah, I gotta go back to that. He was on <laughs> what Robin was saying about the Olympia where they'd all wear suits. I gotta go 2000 Olympia was like the best dressed like Olympia, um, what do you call that? Um conference. Yeah, those guys were all just like refrigerators walking around. Yeah. They all just look like refrigerators. But it was so much, <laughs> so much more impressive when you see everybody up there in uh, in like suits and dress shirts compared to just wearing like track what? suits. Well, yeah, dude, that's like half the guys this year, right? Like come out and like like you know, I'm not talking shit about anybody, but like you know, like Hunter Labrada, like like coming out in like a hoodie and like a hat, like like come yeah. on, man, like it's the Olympia, like it's a show, man. It's 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 it's, the, it's it's for entertainment, like. If you're gonna if you're gonna be chilling like backstage, obviously no one cares. Wear whatever you want, but when you're going to present yourself, you have to be a professional, right? And it's like I get yeah. it, like you're, you're hardcore and like it's the Olympia and like you don't care. Like the only thing you care about is getting on stage, but like you have to care about this other shit. Like you're you're representing the sport, like and we're trying to get the sport to go more mainstream and more mainstream. So like we have to be appealing to like like the GP, right? Like we can't well, just the thing is they didn't have everybody come out on the stage for the press conference. You yeah, had to be invited you know. and asked to come up there. So, like, 
yeah. if you're going to get that kind of honor to go out there and like that privilege, I mean, I think you should dress the part. Yeah, you should be respectful. And, and also, like, this Olympia, too, like, with the posing routines, like, it was, it was fucking unbelievable to me that some of these guys didn't have posing routines for the Olympia. Oh, like, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't watch all the posing routines. Obviously open. Well, I mean, you could tell. Like, I know, like, yeah. you know, like, I'm, I'm not going to name any names, but, like, there's I know, I know, I know who you're talking about, though. Yeah, there's, like, a few guys, like, yeah. you know, some of the younger guys that, like, came out and just, like, literally just, like, hit the mandatories. Yeah, it's a it's a thing, right? Like it's a thing. that's like it's like the don't smile on stage, don't uh, don't practice your routine because it's not judged, you know. So they're like pushing it, like it's like um, like it's a thing, right? And, no. but, like, I, I think I think it should be, like, be judged like to an extent that like if they see like you put no effort into your posing routine for the Mister Olympia, like I think that should kind of matter. Like not even like how good the routine is, like to a sense, but like I mean, like it's hard to give a guy the Mister Olympia title. That like comes out and like doesn't put on a show in his posing routine. Like the posing routine is still part of bodybuilding, like whether it's like like judged or not. Like I think anyway. Yeah. Well, like if what you said, you're on it's stage. not about how good the routine is because some people just don't have that kind of flow and that kind of charisma on stage. Yeah. But yeah. to show that you put effort and that you actually practiced and like tried to come up with something other than just walking out and hitting a couple of poses. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I'm saying. Hundred percent. Like I, I feel like they should almost have something in the contract. Like. Like, it's really know, not it's really not that hard either. No, yeah. exactly. and if you're practicing your posing over and over and over, you're probably gonna have to do way less cardio during your prep. If you're going through and practicing your posing routine like daily, yeah. like that's gonna cut your cardio time out because you're burning a shit ton of calories posing. Yeah, your, your mandatories are gonna be better too, just because you're gonna have better posing conditioning. Yeah, and also like let's face it, like these like top 15 guys are full-time bodybuilders. Like you know, like yeah. they're not, they don't have another job or like any shit like that. Like, well, no yeah, but they they may have they may have sponsors, right? And they have some some contractual agreements where they have to do things for their sponsors. Oh my god, you have to post on Instagram twice a month. Like that's yeah, I remember, you know, I remember seeing Marcus. You're right, in a sense, you're right because I remember the '90s guys. When I mean, you want to talk about '90s, early 2000s, I remember them doing tours. Yeah. Um, I remember really seeing hard. Marcus Rule. Marcus Rule was here um, in my city, in my town. And man, did he ever fucking look <laughs> agitated, you know, because he's hungry. Like these guys come in, they're hungry. There's tons of people waiting all day at a GNC to see them. Saw Ronnie Coleman too at a supplement store. And same thing. Like he looked like he was a little, he looked like he was going hypo when I saw him. So I think it was different back then. Because what I'm saying is now I, I really don't think they have to do this much PR anymore. Like how often, well, I guess Ian's gone to supplement shops. A little bit, but mostly it'll be at like big expos and stuff like that, that you're going to see them out doing things. And, and if not, you, definitely you not, miss not. A, a day or two of posing, that's not going to be that detrimental. But if you're doing it every other day throughout your prep. Oh, there's definitely, there's definitely not so many appearances the last year, two years that it's like you can't practice your posing. Like yeah, that. true. Then there was the pandemic and plus you have your whole off season, I guess, yeah. to work on your posing too. Yeah, those 90s guys never slacked on their posing routines. No, they never did. They never did. They worked on they, – don't forget, though, they were, like, touring. And Robert and I have had a couple podcasts with people where we talked about this. Like, the frequency of com competition or the frequency of, of pros competing was much higher in the 90s, right? Because they'd have, like, the, the, the European tours and the tours where they jump on and do six shows consecutive. 
Yeah. yeah. But also well, to go along with that, they also, a lot of them trained in same, the same areas, you know, yeah. which like, I don't have that where I'm at. I know like Robin, you're lucky enough to be in an area where there's some other pros and stuff like that. But like, if I was in an area like where they were, where they had several pros all training and then you see those epic videos of them all at the gold's gym posing one after another, you know, in that little corner by the stairs, you know? Yeah. And it's like, they're all getting each other to pose and go through their poses and, you know, tweaking each other's poses together. Yeah. You know, like after every workout. They, they used to take a lot more pride in their posing than bodybuilders take with their posing now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it stopped in mid two thousands. I don't know. It's when like the, the bubble guts and uh, yeah. you know. I'm always, it, I'm always I always really feel like proud of myself when I do a good posing routine. You know. Yeah. Like it's well, a now good we're feeling. the douchebags for taking our pants off in the middle of the gym after our workout. Though. Yeah. Hit a few poses. Exactly. That's yeah. a lot. <laughs> See, that's why you need a gym where everybody's posing. Like. Uh, Pure has the posing rooms. Like you need a gym. I, I was at um the one in New York. Beth Francis has a posing room. Like they have yeah. posing rooms. Most good gyms. Yeah. Commercial gyms are the worst. You're like, hey, I need to take progress. Not nothing's worse than having to take progress pictures at a commercial gym. It's like the oh, most yeah. embarrassing thing because they're like, you can't be taking pictures here. You can't be in your underwear here. But it's like, where the fuck am I gonna take pictures? Yeah, well, I could, years ago when I was at an LA fitness, I'd be like, all right, I gotta wait for the Zumba class to get out so I can go in that room and <laughs> take my pants off and do some posing real quick. And it's like the gym I'm at now is awesome, but it's small. There's no room, no space for a, a posing room or anything like that. Yeah. But there is some decent lighting and different mirrors, and it's never that crowded. So I can usually get away with doing some posing in there. Yeah, I did but, a lot of mine in the good life change room and my, my coach saw a lot of other naked dudes and I sent them my progress pictures. There is no change room at the gym. I'm at. Like I said, it's a small gym. Like there's a couple like singular bathrooms, you know, and it's a smaller gym. It's awesome. It's old school, hardcore, you know, but there's just not the space for it. My first show, I was working out at a good life and I was posing in the bathroom every day. And one day some guy just came, like he walked by and he's just like, he's like, Hey man, like I see you posing here every day. He's like, do you need, do you need like, I, I own like a mirror company or something he's like do you need some like a big mirror i'll drop it off of your house and i'm like okay and he literally brought me like a full-size giant mirror and like brought it into my house and set it up for me oh yeah holy shit. Shit. yeah and then i never posed a good life again <laughs> was sick yeah i, I just set, I set it up we had a we had a guest room and i had you know back when we had boom boxes i fucking put on a, a boom box and had like fucking lady gaga playing and i just pose for lady oh, yeah that's why I just I pose in my garage for the most part. Like, that's where I come up with my posing routine. And yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. In my garage now. Yeah, why, was it, why Lady Gaga? Yeah, no, I was, I was gonna <laughs> Lady Gaga. Very fucking. It wasn't my boombox. It was my stepsister's boombox, and that's what <laughs> she had in there. <laughs> now, now we hear excuses, right? He just let the Lady Gaga slip and was like, "Oh fuck." <laughs> so, yeah, I can add that part out. <laughs> No, uh, just yeah. don't drive don't drive in robin's car and listen to this music yeah. don't get robin's playlist get hype man what do you guys what do you guys like, total deviation from what we're talking about what do you guys listen to when you're training Ooh. as long as it's i'm on an edm i'm on an edm kick I, I was like all metal for a while and now i'm like all like like edm like dance music shit yeah so i don't wear headphones the same thing 
Like I, I don't know the last time I put headphones on. Yeah, me too. So, Do they play the good gym music? I go gym? to uh, the gym I go to, like if so, it's it's a family owned gym, and usually the son uh, is running it from the morning shift till about six p.m. And then the either the mom or dad will come in, um, and the son will usually have it on like some freaking hard rock. And then the dad will come in and he'll either put it on hard rock, whatever mood he's in, or he'll put it on like some like 90s, early 2000s rap. Dude, that's, that's good. Cool. Yeah. yeah. That's good. So like it's, it's as long as it's upbeat and like gets you going, I can listen to whatever. As long as it's not like some like slow, depressing or like some, you know, freaking Taylor Swift pop crap or something. Yeah, like, like radio music's the worst. Like, like, like give me, just give me like. Yeah, I'm in a good mood. Like, I know some people like to take their frustration out in the gym, like yeah. their angst and their anger and stuff. But, like, I just – I train so much better if I'm just in a happy, good mood. Yeah. So you should listen to Lady Gaga. And... <laughs> as long as as long as long it's got a good beat, man. Yeah. yeah. You know? I was, I was like that in prep, I guess. Like, I was, like, kind of pissed off all the time. So, like, it was a lot of metal and stuff like that. And then, like, like I've since I've like slowly been adding body fat back. I guess I've been like happier. Yeah. <laughs> so like the transition started like more happy music. <laughs> yeah, uh, it depends like, on I'm, what I'm training. Exactly too. like that too. Honestly, yeah. it depends on what I'm training. If I'm going in for like a an arm pump, I might throw it on something just a little lighter and just like you know get me like just in a happy mood, whatever. And then if it's leg day, I might want it to fucking scream at me. Yeah, you yeah. Know, I want I want some hard stuff to like really get me in the mood to, to for some pain do you guys do you have like go-to songs like that you go to for like a heavy set like something that you know is going to help you get through like a hard set of hack squats or something man i used to anything yeah. like trivia. i said i don't really pick the music i just put it on pandora when i go in the gym so anything by what Brent, uh, robin for for like hardcore i like anything by trivium or agony scene um atreyu anything that has screaming i like screaming Scream, screamo but trivium is like my favorite it's just it's so much fucking like just heavy hard fucking like drums you know yeah like just bass drums the, like double bass the, drums is like that's pretty much enough to do a heavy set the the son that runs the gym a lot of time will put it on a lot of like system of the down playlist oh yeah uh, that was sick stuff like that like uh yeah. five finger death punch um which is all all that like that's all awesome me god smack whatever um I think back when I did listen to my own music, it's been a while, but I don't know if you ever heard of the band Head P.E. Head V.E., no. No, oh, but they had a song called Blackout that, like, if, if I put that song on, I was going to, I was going to, like, give Watch it everything shit up. It's, like, not a well-known band, probably. I don't know, but it was, like, uh, it just, like, screamed at me, made me go. Okay, in, in the group chat, everybody just post your, like, number one. Robert, I just sent you an album that you got to listen to. You'll okay, I'll, okay, I'll send you one. Hmm. Really? In the group chat? I don't see this. No, I sent it to Robin. I'll copy and paste it to the group chat, though. No, only I get it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A lot yeah, of times I'll like, walk into the gym and throw it on, like, a Limp, Limp Biscuit playlist or something. Oh, bro, you can't just... go wrong with that. Oh, yeah. yeah. This is our uh, Instagram chat. Some old, like, Marilyn Manson. Uh, it's yeah, so, Limbiscuit was so good. I know, right? <laughs> the shitty '90s rock, rock. I loved it. 
Hey man, that's, that's kind of like, shitty. The Rock today is probably more on the shitty end of the stick than the. You know, you know who I like? Um, um, Zach, what's the guy's name from uh, Rage Against the Machine? The lead singer. Know. You don't know him? No. He. Uh, have you heard uh, Run the Jewels? Run the Jewels. Yeah, I've listened to Run the Jewels. He, he's on a lot of Run the Jewels yeah. tracks because he was the lead singer. Yeah, he was the lead singer of Rage. But he wanted to start like in hip hop, so he kind of transitioned. He did a lot of work with LP from Run the Jewels, who was LP was like an underground producer in New York in the mid 2000s. I won't go into the history, but it's interesting. It makes for some, for some fucking interesting music. Like, you know, the tracks with Run the Jewel where there's a guy like screaming in the background on the hook? No. That's usually, I think it's Zachariah De La Roach. He always does politically. Like politically instilled, like politically um, driven kind of music. Sure. So you guys uh, are all sharing your Spotify playlist. Yeah, or? I dropped this is this is my uh, prep playlist, the two thousands screamo. I, it's I don't, I don't know if you guys like screamo, but the two thousands ones, man, those are all like oh, like nostalgia. I don't, you know? I don't have Spotify either. I should really. Yeah, like well, yeah. I had it for a while. Now I don't have it anymore. You guys ever listen to like Alexis on Fire? Yeah, yeah. Like, I grew up yeah. on that shit, man. Yeah, like yeah. that's in that's in there. Like they're good songs too. That, uh, the, the the lead singer, not the screamo guy, but the other guy. This is this is one of my favorite songs. I listen to this guy. one at least once every workout. Drop this one's um Pierce the Veil. Have you heard of Pierce the Veil? No. That listen to that song, King for a Day by Pierce the Veil. That's a really good one. Have you heard of uh, As I Lay Dying? Yes, that's yeah. that they have they're they're in this one, yeah. Great, like as I lay dying, a day to remember, plus the fall from first to last, like all those uh 2000 screamo bands. Those that's basically like, in my opinion, that was like the peak of fucking emo music. Like, it can never get better than that. Well, it was like the beginning of metalcore, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as I lay dying, and like basically that genre, right? Yeah, is there even any like real rock these days, anyway? It's like back then, like there was a lot of really good rock music getting harder to find man did you guys yeah. hear robin do you know about like the head, the lead singer of as la dying and like how he no. got him? so so like, he actually ended up getting really close to like robin dana bailey because like they okay. were like they always use that band's music in their videos and stuff like that so then the lead singer guy i forget his name uh i watched like a youtube documentary on it but he like started getting into bodybuilding and shit and he started taking steroids yeah and then he uh he made this like plot like to get his wife killed whoa and, but he but he did it like with a cop yeah, and he got arrested anyways. He's been in jail ever since. I think actually he might have got out recently for that, but he was oh, in jail sure. for like a long time. And like as LA dying, like they went they went away for a bit. And I think they, they came back like two years ago with like a new lead singer. That's intense. Yeah. <laughs> that'd, that'd be wouldn't that be ironic? Like if he was like he like kills his wife and he's singing a song and it's like as I lay dying, like as she lays dying, he's like singing like goodbye or some shit. Like I think he just started his first trend ace cycle. <laughs> And then never just, start with Trent Ace. There you go. That's why yeah, they went to shit after that. <laughs> never start with Trent Ace. Always start with Test. Yeah, of course. Yeah, this guy pretty, pretty interesting uh, research on trend, trend and uh, desensitization, and you can completely decompromise, de like take you take away your social inhibitions. I don't think that's true. It, it apparently it does. Well, it, the only thing that trend will do is it, it interacts with dopamine and it suppresses dopamine production. So I think you might be less social, if anything. Yeah, less social, not social inhibitions, less social. 
Yeah. yeah it almost, it, it almost like social anxiety a little bit. Yeah. It's, I don't it's have social like, anxiety. I just hate everybody. It's slightly depressive. Yeah. It is like, yeah, that's depressive. what I'm trying to say. You disengage. You disengage with your, your social being. Like, but that's not just the trend, right? It's also because you're you're so focused on something, right? It's just an excuse if someone blames it on the drugs, like yeah, you got I think issues. that's true. Like, you know, honestly though, like sometimes I'll get in these moods sometimes <laughs> the past few weeks like where I literally just I'll want to stay at the gym and just talk to people. Like they'll come up and ask me a simple question, and I'll just like start talking for like twenty minutes and stuff like that. So like I don't know if it's really the the drugs or anything like that. That's that's true in my off season but like when you when you go into prep heavy into prep that's when you turn it off and you don't want That'll to talk. Be a few weeks well, out sometimes like sometimes i'll go in the gym and i don't want anybody to look at me or talk to me whenever i'm in prep yeah and then other times i'll go in there and i just like i need a conversation i don't know why i think i think I we should have signs because because i'm the same way and i think like when you go into commercial gym people don't quite understand because you you have your whole off season where you're talking to everyone and you're fucking friendly and you're happy and you know you're chatting it up and then three weeks four weeks out comes around and then that same guy's talking to you and you're like dude just leave me alone just leave yeah. me alone exactly. leave me alone i had to tell him guys to leave me alone like for for a good whole fucking workout session that like, you wouldn't leave me alone and then the next time i saw him he was doing the same thing and i'm like fucking leave me alone you know and they're like wow that's not like you you just have like as your prep progresses you just have to make your your resting face angrier you know <laughs> and the angrier it gets the less likely people will approach you or talk to you if you look I angry will... enough people will just like move away as you like walk you know like you just you walk through the gym people just like scatter but Jason's right. People are used to you talking to them and being friendly and stuff, and all of a sudden you're a different person. There's just when you walk into the gym, there's just people you hate to see sometimes, you know. <laughs> like because you just know what's coming. Like, like yeah. luckily, people, luckily not at pure. Have a conversation. Yeah, luckily <laughs> that doesn't happen up here. Like most people there are pretty cool and they won't bother you. And but the gym's so fucking but, big, you can like literally hide from people. Yeah, like if like any good life, there's always that one guy, and he always just like he's just waiting for you to enter the gym so he can just fucking talk your ear off, right? Yeah, yeah. That's the gym I'm at. He's like, like I, I, I know what time small, Morgan trains. I'm waiting for him. Yeah, oh, the gym I go I to is small, so it's like it's pretty cool. There's not like everyone there is cool as for the most part is really cool, and they're there to do work, you know. Yeah. And they're they're not all bodybuilders or anything like that, but you know, there it's not a a good life or an LA Fitness or whatever where everyone's yeah. pretty much there to circle jerk around the leg press machine. I'm not I'm not really a talker ever. Really before the gym, I don't really like to to chat it up before training but i like to talk after but not as much before during yeah that's like me too yeah, yeah i like, like the I, bullshit i like the bullshit with my training partners like in yeah. between sets a little bit but it's I'm, like it's it's like okay you do a set i do a set catch your breath bullshit while we're catching our breath get back in shit's serious while the set's going yeah you know it's like i don't know i kind of like it makes i get a better workout if we have like a quick you know joke or whatever say something stupid in between the set and then when we get back in the set i'm like all right let's go yeah I, i'm told I'm, I'm the same like i don't think like i mean that's like like you know the older guys too like like especially like when social media first started like they would talk a lot of shit about the newer guys and like oh like how can you train hard if you take a video or how can you train hard if you take a picture in the gym and it's just like i mean we don't at our level like you don't need to be super serious like the entire time you're in the gym it's like we know how yeah. to flip the switch like, well, you know here, I mean? yeah here's the thing like i mean i i see it in myself like um i got a lot of slack i think the past five years for talking a lot in the gyms 
and being like social and you know especially when they join bodybuilding gyms like we have good gyms here where we have like joe seaman and um hassan jama a couple pros you know um or a couple good national guys and and they're like oh man you know paul's gonna come and talk a lot and i think what happened is oh I, paul's that guy yeah I, I, I had to become that guy for a while and and it's simply because i'm older now no word of a lie it's like i'm older and my training style is different like robin was asking me what my splits were like everything's changed for me when i got my first surgery i think things have just changed organically like I remember, I remember when we did shoulders and, 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 and we're doing sets of shoulders, we're doing drop sets and Paul's just like chilling on his phone. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, as, I'm not, I'm not as intense as, but I, the other thing is I can turn it on when I need to turn it on and I feel neurotic about shit. Like I didn't work hard enough, but those are the days I turn it on. Like, I mean, you can't always be, I think when, 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 when you're young and fresh, you can always be a hundred percent. I have oh, like I are. have like I have like rules in my mind. I don't know if you guys are like this, but like when I enter the training session, I don't I don't touch my phone. Like I you most of the time if I'm training with someone, I don't bring the phone at all. If I'm training by myself, I'll bring my phone, but the rule is that I don't go out of Spotify. I only just stay within spot unless I'm doing a video, obviously. Um, but it's just like little things like rules for me in my head. So I, I know for sure that if I like if I go start texting, I'm basically I'm done my work. I'm just gonna go home then. You know, so I'm like, like in my bag and yeah. I'll pull my phone out of my bag and like ask my wife to or whoever to to film a set or something real yeah. quick. And you go like, back like to people take it to the extreme where they're like, well, Jason's touching his phone. He must not be training hard. It's like, <laughs> dude, like he's a pro bodybuilder. Like this is what he does. You know? So I, like... I don't think I don't <laughs> think people understand like the level of like focus that that is there that the phone is really just a tool. Like if you're going to do videos and stuff like that. But, yeah. but you see people that are literally like they're on their phone, they're having conversations with other people, or they're just like scrolling. It's like you can tell very quickly, quickly who's focused and who's not just based on that like activity and involvement with what they're doing. But um, like I, I do like to have those ground rules, right? Like another thing is just weird. Like if the conversation turns into like a five minute one and I start losing my pump, that irritates me. I was about no, to say the exact yeah. same thing. Like I, like I said, I like to bullshit real quick between sets. Like, yeah, like a it, laugh, make a joke, whatever, and then yeah. get serious for the set again. But if somebody starts talking to me and it just starts going on and on, it messes up my set. Like it'll mess up my next set or whatever. Like it, it starts to piss me off a little bit. And I'll, I'll still try to be nice to the people, whatever. But I'm like, I got to get this set. Like I, this is, it's yeah. throwing me off my workout. It's the worst when you go into the commercial gyms, like, and you get the the, the guys, or the people who just talk and talk. I've got this this older guy following me now. Um, he's like in his seventies, and he's using SARMs. I tried plugging him. Yeah, <laughs> Todd's the the, the, the SARM company, uh, the the um, Helix Labs, right, or Helix Canada. I'm like, go to Helix online, use my discount code, and then he went on Helix, and I don't know if he actually got anything, but he's always talking to me about SARMs and this guy's in his late 70s I guarantee you or he might even be 80 but he you when you get to the gym like I he he when I get to the gym he sees me and I see him waddling over and I'm like fuck he's gonna talk to me the whole time and he follows me from machine to machine to machine I do remember back when I did used to wear headphones and stuff like that and I was going to an LA fitness 
a lot of times I wouldn't even have the headphones like in, but then as soon as I would see a certain person or something like that, I'm like, oh shit. You know, I'm like, I, I gotta get, I gotta zone everything out. Yeah. All right. You wanna you gonna do a couple of questions? Then he keeps talking. Huh? Huh? Hey Morgan, how do you get people not to bother you when you're training at Good Life? Um well, the gym I go to, like, I go the same time every day. It's like pretty, it's like it's probably the best good life here, but it's pretty low key, especially that time of day. So it's always the same people there. So I mean, generally people just leave me alone. I find, but that that I just won't get there for a while, man. And like, I swear to God, like he was just following me around, like asking me every question. But every time I gave him an answer, he would be like, "Yeah, but some but someone else said this, and I also heard this." So like one day, I literally looked at him. And I was like, I was like, dude, I was like don't ask me any more questions. I was like, unless you're going to do exactly what I tell you to do. I was like, I'm right. I was like, all the other people that are talking to you are wrong. I was like, so you know, listen to me. I was like, or, or leave me alone and let me train. And then he never asked me another question again. <laughs> oh man. Nothing's worse than someone who's going to ask you a question and then just like debate your answer. Literally argue with me. Like, <laughs> yeah. literally argue yeah. with me. And, yeah. and I, was like, I guarantee you the person I told you that is smaller than me. So oh, for sure. <laughs> the asshole. The asshole is what yeah. you know. Yeah, exactly. I think I think we all get that where it's like someone's gonna be like, oh, somebody said this, and you're like, just use your brain, dude. Like this person's not a professional; they're not big; they're not; they're just, you know. I don't get it. You know, I don't get why someone would listen to someone like Boston Lloyd. <laughs> I know. How does that guy have any credibility, dude? It blows my mind. mind. I don't get it's it. Because you know why? Because so many people just want to use a shit ton of steroids to get results, and he's a guy that they go to. Yeah. Because he approves that shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Dude, I've talked like, to people like, that he's coached, and it just blows my mind, the, the stuff yeah. that they do. It's like those guys. It's, it's, like, it's definitely guys out there that they won't hire a coach who will give them moderate doses. They want to, like, just fucking, like, take the piss with it. I'm, like, I'm such, like, the opposite coach. I've like, lost clients for that. I mean, oh, man, I, I, I get, lost clients yeah. because... I gave them, I told them what to do. And they're like, but this is what I was on in the past. I'm like, well, you should never have fucking done that. Yeah, I was exactly. like, I was like, well, we're going to do it a little healthier this time. And then they don't come back the next month. Then they, they're probably taking triple or quadruple what I was telling them to take. Yeah. But you know what? It's going to take them two years to learn that like the doses they're taking are doing shit. And then they're going to get blood work done once and the blood work's going to be fucked. And then they'll be like, oh, Jason was right. Shit. Yeah. Well, especially yeah. like sometimes it's been, uh, you know, dude in his mid fifties coming to me and he's not in shape, but he's taking triple what I've ever even considered doing. <laughs> and I'm dude. like, dude, we got to back this off. And then they don't, they don't like to hear that. But dude, look at these guys, I'm like, I'm like, see all the stuff you're injecting in your body. And I'm like, now look in the mirror. Like, do you look like a bodybuilder? <laughs> like if, if you don't, <laughs> Look at the, I released a whole bunch of videos on my kind of a big deal channel about, um, you know, cycles. I said, I think I had a video titled like what the pros really use or the, 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 the perfect testosterone cycle or something. And I was, I was recommending that people lower their dosage. Like, and I said, listen, the pros aren't even using like the pros that I know aren't using grams and grams. 
Like this is this is some kind of bullshit. I don't know because I've been there. I've been there and I've heard it. Like pros only use three grams of test or five grams of tra- <laughs> test or a gram of test. Something unreasonable, you know. It's like for a month, I mean, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Pros, there's just, a standard uh, protocol that you have to follow. Five, five grams of test at least. Five grams of test, exactly. <laughs> I'll I'll tell you, like there there was a couple coaches that have given me higher doses, and that was and I. And I've also coached myself and done higher doses, but in the last couple of years, I've done probably like the lowest doses that I've ever done. Yeah, I've been there. I mean, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pretend that I I haven't done stupid shit. No, but hold and on. I, the misconception and and the point that I want to make is that people think that once you get to a certain dose, like let's just say a thousand, like once you get to a thousand, you can never go back down. Like you have to keep going up in dose in order to keep getting results. Not true. That's no, not true. Yeah. yeah, that's not true at all. Once you, you take, take yourself your testosterone, your test levels come up to whatever they're yeah. going to come up to. You keep it consistent. Your test yeah. levels are a super physiological dose that allows you to recover faster and build muscle at a faster rate yeah. than if you weren't yeah. on it. That's, that's, that's all it's doing. It's just allowing you to, to recover and allow you to utilize protein a little bit better. And it doesn't mean that if you take more gear, you're going to get bigger. You're not going to get bigger with anything except for more food and more weight on the bar. Everyone can build, can build muscle on 500 milligrams of test a week. Everybody. Everybody. And it's, if you can't, and if you can't, then the problem is you're training on your food. Training not, not, exactly not because it. you don't have enough gear in your body. Yeah, like Jason, Jason, Jason's 260 pounds using 125 milligrams a week. <laughs> so, and I'm maintaining like 285 and I'm using 125 milligrams a week. So well, this, week I started, I, this week I decided to bump it up. We're going to start a real off season. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Good, good. I mean, there, there are times I'm not going to say like that. That higher doses might not be beneficial, like somewhat higher. But I think the, the perception is that you need to use a lot. In the typical gym rat thinks you need to use a lot and a lot because that's what they've heard, and it's just not. But yeah, even I say bump it up, and I don't want people to think, oh, he's going to that crazy high dose. Shit. I'm like, bump it up means I'm probably going to go to like six hundred, six, yeah, six hundred test. And maybe add like two or three hundred deca, two or three hundred primo. Mm, that's pretty good, yeah. Yeah, I would say that. That's a good. I got hop off early again, guys. Sorry, I got something on the go. But it was nice seeing you. Peace out. All right, bro. We'll see you next time. later on, guys. Let's just answer this one question then uh, to finish it off. One of my clients asked me this. Actually, she said, "How do you make money in bodybuilding? Can we be financially independent just doing bodybuilding?" Well, but I I know, I know what what my client's trying to ask me because he wants to know because he Uh, wants to do what we do, right? So he's 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 trying to figure out how to market yourself. Like you, you have to make bodybuilding is is now nowadays an avenue to become your own boss, essentially marketing yourself. Like you are the product. You have to market yourself to create different avenues of income. Yeah, Jason answered that perfectly. I mean, yep. body bodybuilding in itself isn't going to generate a ton of revenue. You're not going to be running around winning, you know, prize money at competitions. And I think once people realize that, then they realize that bodybuilding isn't, you know, something that's a, an income, you know, a, a sport that'll that'll generate income for you. Yeah. But um, it does put you in that position where you can potentially be a social media influencer and. Um, all types of other things you can do by marketing your image and your brand. Um, but that takes, you know, it's more of operating a business based on your lifestyle other than 
then, you know, com competitive bodybuilding is not going to bring you in money unless you hustle and you make money. You create a name for yourself and you have people like, you know, Ian, for example, who is, he used to coach a lot of people. He's not really coaching anyone anymore. He coaches Chris and maybe one or two people that he's had for years, but he's not really coaching anymore, which used to be his main income probably. And now he's making money off of sponsorships and winning a couple big shows. Yeah. But yeah. he he does he makes that money because he's created such a market for himself as you know a popular name in the sport, not just from competing, yeah, but yeah. from social media. You guys you guys answered that really well. And and the other thing I can add to that is I can give you um, like the steps that I took in order to get to where I am now, which was when you're first starting out, you're an amateur. You're not making anything from bodybuilding. You're only spending money to compete. So at that point, you need to have a job or two jobs. And they might not be very nice jobs. You might have like crappy hours. Or you might have to do labor. You might have to do some bullshit. But at least you're bringing in your income. And then that income pays for your rent. That income pays for your food, your competition, your everything, right? Over time, what I did was I started my coaching business. And I would just take on a couple clients that were friends. And I would just help them a little bit for free. So I was still working my jobs. I was still making no money from bodybuilding. And I also wasn't making any money from my coaching business. So I had about three clients and I, I did a couple of transformations with them. And then I had my first client that started paying me and my rate was extremely ridiculously cheap, but at least I had my first customer. And at that point I went to, uh, I went to the restaurant and I was still working there and all that. I was working doubles, but I was starting to cut back my hours. So I would just start working basically either mornings or afternoon shifts. And that way I could train better. And then I could spend a little bit more time like developing the website and stuff. And that was all a process that took like maybe a year. I think it took me about a year till I had that website. And then at that point, I turned pro. And when I turned pro, I made that decision to, to quit those other jobs and just focus on the coaching completely. But I still wasn't making enough coaching. So I started personal training as well on the side. So I basically always had up until that point, I, I always had two sources of income until now I kind of have my coaching business, but I still do training on the side too. So I'm not making really any money from competing, but I'm, I guess to answer your question, I'm financially independent doing bodybuilding, but that's because yeah. I started businesses from it, you know, very so, similar. To yeah. how I, can, I was, you know, I started off bodybuilding when I was running my family's restaurant still working, you know, yeah. 70 hours a week. And so then we worked, we worked like, similar, like very similar story then. Right. And I was, and I was doing some personal training on the side. And then I got into where I was like, I just want to focus solely on the fitness industry. I started working, I moved to Daytona and I started working personal training at LA fitness and working at a complete nutrition, you know? Yeah. So I was like doing a nutrition store and personal training and during, while I was doing that, working two jobs, you know, crazy hours, I ended up turning pro during that. And I was coaching people. And then once I turned pro, I was able to kind of branch away from LA Fitness and do personal training on my own. You know, I as a, per, a private gym or a personal, you know, smaller gym where I could charge what I wanted to charge, do my own thing. I could take less clients because I wasn't paying LA fitness 80% of what I was getting from each session, you know? So 
Plus, you don't have you don't have to like be there for a certain time. Now I only train very few people in person. You know, I'll train two or three people actually in person, and majority of it's online coaching. Yeah, Yeah, I think you gotta you gotta take those steps, right? Like, and, and oh, sorry, one thing I forgot to mention was that I also did. I did four years of university as well, um, but I split those up. I didn't, I didn't do four years straight. I kind of like took a different path. I took some time off, came back, finished it, whatever. But during that time, it was like, yeah, I was like, what am I going to do here? Cause my original plan was I wanted to, to cook and be a chef, but you got to think about like, you know, is, is that lifestyle going to, going to be ideal for bodybuilding? And obviously it wasn't cause it's late nights. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of a crappy lifestyle to mix with bodybuilding. So that's why the personal training was a better option. So I was like, instead mm-hmm. of going to culinary school, I'm going to do kinesiology and therefore I'm going to have more of a background. So, you know, I, I, I will feel com- more confident training people and I'll feel more confident saying I'm a coach and things like that. And then turning pro is like another thing. So I think the best thing you can do if you want to make this a career is, is plan to start, plan out a way to, to build up your resume. Like you don't, you don't need to be a pro bodybuilder, but Hey, at least if you have, some education in the field and you've got your foot in the door. And then as you start competing, because th- my client right now hasn't done a show yet. So he's thinking about like, how can I, how can I make this my career? Keep working your job, but start doing either some personal training courses or start getting an education in kinesiology. You can even just do a college, like a two-year college course in fitness and health promotion. Like there's lots of different ways you can get involved in the fitness industry to start making money right away. You know, I and I just want to add that um, you can actually work full time or, or have a, a stable career and become a pro bodybuilder, um, or be a pro, a pro bodybuilder with a, a full time career. Like, look at Steve Kuklo. Was he not a firefighter? Yeah, is he Victor Martinez? He was uh, like an elevator uh, t- uh, technician. Um, There's a lot of them out there that have. Ronnie Coleman was a police officer. I mean, the thing is, they transitioned. I know Ronnie. Ronnie at one point decided to to give up his career as a police officer because he wanted to place higher, do more, more show. After he had already won several. After he won several years, yeah, exactly. So, I don't think there. There's so many hours in a day, right? You shouldn't be limited to not being able to grow personally. If you're a bodybuilder, bodybuilding teaches you these skills uh, in your personal life and your professional life too. So really you, you, you learn time management, you learn, um, you know, skills about um, organizing, you know, your life so you can structure it around bodybuilding. So you don't just need to like give up everything you're doing. If you're in school, like Robin finished a kin degree, like you can still finish school. And if a good job comes from that, that's sedentary, like, you know, you could still be like an occupational therapist or something uh, eight hours a day, because really like that takes eight hours a day. And if you meal prep properly, that's just three of your meals. So you prep at night or you prep like Mondays, all your food for up until Wednesday. And then you train hard at night. You go to bed early. You have a mundane job. I don't, I don't see like having a career necessarily a bad thing for bodybuilders. It's like having There's a family. That argument, like, should you have a family if you're going to be a professional bodybuilder? Well, I, I don't see that necessarily because bodybuilding is very mond- mundane and very structured. So as long as you can, you know, structure it around your day, you're good. If all you had yeah. was bodybuilding, like that's it. Like you have a lot of free time. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
Yeah. Really, what are you, if what are all you, you do is bodybuilding, you, is bodybuilding, you have free time. If all you do is bodybuilding, you better bring a good fucking posing routine to the stage. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. But if you want to just be a bodybuilder and and like have side hustles and coach and and make money from there, there's there's ways to generate revenue and do that too. There's a million. So, there's a million and one options. Like, yeah. There's there's tons of people like Paul who work nine to five jobs and they yeah. they do things that maybe they don't they don't love it the most. Maybe it's not their favorite thing in the whole world, but they have to love it enough to do it for ten plus a year, twenty years, whatever. The main yeah. thing is that you have to pick something that's sustainable to your lifestyle, something that you actually have some type of love or passion for. And then the third thing is just that, hey, it doesn't make enough to support what you're trying to do. You know, as, as long as those three things are covered, it doesn't it doesn't actually matter if you're making money from fitness or body. To to working like within the fitness industry is that for me, it's like I'm in the gym, so I'm, I go I drive 45 minutes to the gym. I train people. I train there and I go home. My whole day is there. It's kind of convenient, but there's tons, like some of my clients, they, they live and work five minutes from the gym and it's the same thing. Like they come into the gym and they come straight from work and they train. And like Paul was saying, it's like, it's very, very realistic. Like it's, you know, in, in fact, working a Monday nine to five sitting desk job has its advantages too because that way you're more likely to be able to eat your meals. You're not like lifting or carrying or moving too much. So you're not exhausted when you train. So bottom line, it just has to fit in with your lifestyle goals. Right? My client that's been my training partner for the past six months, he was, you know, personal training and stuff like that too. And after a while he, you know, he did like two shows this year and he's like, you know, I think I'd want to get a job just, doing something outside of this just so i have something Income. you know that's outside the world of the gym yeah. you know just yeah. to break things up and so so that way he's almost more excited to come to the gym yep you know if your entire life is there sometimes it takes away the excitement like when i used to run the restaurant for my you know for my family i was like it was exciting to get out of there and get to the gym yeah, yeah. You know, now like everything revolves around being in the gym and you don't get that same all right freaking gym time let's go you know yeah you don't want to percent um the other thing you know about having a full because i i do have a full-time career and it's, it's it can be pretty intense um i cannot work around show prep <laughs> so I, I i if anybody has a demanding job like they're a doctor lawyer i don't know um you know a caseworker or whatever it may be in people's lives police officer i think if people's lives are are contingent on what you're doing you've really got to take even even like construction guys i have no fucking idea how they do it like uh physically at least like you've got to have a plan to take some time off around the shows period period yeah, I get a client right now. that's the only time you're gonna to have to make bodybuilding your full-time goal like there's no way you can be five, four, I'd say four to th four to th th three weeks out. There's no way you're going to be able to work. Yeah. Well, wow. some, people can't, some people can't, some people can't, but the, the main thing is like, if you're working a job that's extremely um, demanding physically, like construction, uh, I've worked with clients and really the main thing is that they just don't get big enough because they don't eat enough. Yeah, the, the construction. Cool. The other thing is, I had a buddy with a. I was I was training a guy with an HVAC company. That's the worst because they're lifting heavy shit all day, 
And he trained really hard. And I think we got him to maybe, you know, just guesstimating three, four percent. He was like four weeks out. He dropped out of that show. This is a long time ago. But anyways, he dropped out because he couldn't even do his job. <laughs> He's like, dude, I'm falling asleep in the car in the morning and I've got clients I've got to service. I'm like, well, if it comes to like making your money, uh, your income and a bodybuilding show, like, I guess you're going to have to drop out and maybe plan for someone else to do the physical labor next year because it ain't going to happen for three weeks out. Yeah. Well, a lot of, a lot of my clients ask me like what they should do if they're working, like, let's say they're working like a night job. It's like a 12 hour shift overnight. And it's just, it's not conducive to their goals. I just say, listen, man, you got to find a new job. You have to find a new job because if you're telling me, this is the thing. If you are telling me that these goals are as important as you say they are, then it shouldn't be that much of a deal to go and find a job that's more conducive to your goals. But if, if you continue to tell me that this is what you want, but you're not willing to do what it takes to get there, then I know you're full of shit and it's an excuse. So you have, you have to look at your job. If, if bodybuilding is something that you really, really, really want, and you're working a job right now that is for some reason not allowing you to get to where you want to go, you're going to have to find a new job. That's the bottom line. It might be a little scary and it might not be an easy thing to do. I think it's anything that you want to give a hundred percent to, you're going to have to take risks. You're going to have to, you're going to have to make some sacrifices to, and that, that might take a while to pay off. I've, I've quit on the spot because I've had um, like a chef tell me that I can't compete because he needs me for that weekend. And I was just like, see you later, man. I'm, I'm gone. Like I'm doing the show. You know, and I'd have to come back and find a new job. And it wasn't ideal. But yeah. if, if anything was going to get in the way of my goals, I wouldn't let that happen. Yeah. Yeah, if it means enough. Like, if you really yeah. want to be a bodybuilder, then that's another yeah. story. I mean, it, it, well, like, if you just want to, like, be healthy and stuff, like, completely different story, right? You can, you, can, you can fit in fitness to any lifestyle. But what I'm saying is if you want to pursue this at the level that that we do that you are yeah and then there's some sacrifices and some lifestyle changes that might have to be made yeah right so but anyways i think i think we answered that question tenfold <laughs> yeah let's let's wrap it up there guys and uh and we'll do another one next week all right guys all right guys, boys you, gentlemen yeah have a good one guys thanks for tuning into the canadian beef podcast make sure you subscribe to our channel and like our videos also don't forget guys we got Helix online, discount code, BEEF20. We also got Gorilla Wear discount codes. If you guys want to help us by supporting the channel and getting yourself some great products, you can use our code at checkout. Thank you guys for watching.